Pod Only Knows is a Cage Club podcast. For other smart podcasts on culture, pop, and otherwise, go to cageclub.me. You can contact us via email at pok at cageclub.me. You can find me on Twitter at ProbablyRealJB. And you can find me at Kelly underscore J underscore Baker. And you can find the show on Twitter at PodOnlyKnowsPod. The show is written and produced by us. Welcome to Pod Only Knows. I am John Brooks. And I am Kelly Baker. And this is our second so-called chit-chat episode, which may soon become its formal title. <laughs> I'm aiming for it. That's like my goal is to make it our formal title is that our, our chit-chat episode. So <laughs> anyone out there has strong feelings about this, let us know now and say also that Kelly is correct. <laughs> uh, Kelsworth, how are, how are you? How's, what's, What's, what's the good news today? Oh, so the good news today is that I finally, after over three years, finished a Halloween tattoo sleeve on my arm. So I'm cool. totally excited about this. Um, if you can guess the timing, it would be that I started this sleeve in January of 2020, and then the pandemic happened. Oh, and right, so, right, right, right. Yeah, Forgot this whole pandemic. pandemic thing, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so I was finally able to finish it. It took three hours of sitting in the tattoo chair, which, you know, maybe I'm getting a little too old for, I decided. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm super stoked about it. It already had a black cat and a jack-o'-lantern and this little funky bat that he had done. And so he added some skulls and some very cool spider webs, which was <laughs> the recommendation for my children. I wanted some, like, smoky, nice. atmospheric thing. And the kids are like, no that's dumb. Why would you do that? And I said, Oh, what would you do? And they're like, you would do spider webs. Duh. And so they were right. It looks better. Of course they're right. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. so I have this badass tattoo now that I've finished. So I'm very nice. excited about that. So now I have a full <laughs> sleeve on my left arm completely. Um, so yeah. And I'm to the point now people are like, Oh, are you a tattoo artist? And it's like, no, no, I just, like tattoos and have no art, <laughs> no art background at all, friends, <laughs> like none, um, no ability there, no skills. But yeah, so that's my good news. I'm super excited that's... about that, except now I have to deal with it healing, which is always a pain. So I don't have any holiday themed tattoos or any tattoos at all for that matter. So, so um... if you couldn't tell, I'm very much on team Halloween which sure. means that um, towards October, I'm going to be really obnoxious on this podcast about Halloween. So that's just going to be a thing that everyone's going to have to deal with. Halloween has like a lot of mascots. Like if there is one, who do you think it should be? I feel like it's becoming like Jack Skellington is becoming sort of the yeah. official mascot yeah. of Or, Halloween you know, I am super partial to the giant skeletons. That now yeah, are the yeah. thing, and I say this as someone who, um, I'm going to admit this out loud, has two eight-feet skeletons in her front yard that she keeps mm-hmm. year-round, um, yeah. so that uh, it's enough that the kids that go to school with my oldest child call our house the skeleton house when they pass by it on the bus, so like we're infamous, which makes mm. me really happy. So um, skeletons all year round. So I would say the giant skeleton, but I feel like Jack Skellington very much is like 
the ambassador for Halloween now. Like, where previously you would have, like, folks that are making jack-o'-lantern decorations or something like that. I feel like yeah, yeah. that has taken over. The but there's no Christmas. official jack-o'-lantern. Like, like I mean, right. the whole thing with the Great Pumpkin is kind of a joke on that, right? That yeah. There's no, like, official right. Halloween mascot yep. for in Linus's head. Do you think in, like, 500 years, if we still have the human race, <laughs> you're going to be, like... Jack Skellington's just going to be the mascot for Halloween, and people will be like, "Oh yeah, he was a folk figure back in the early." That'd be uh, amazing, right? I hope that happens. I, well, I have no idea where it came from, and they'll be like scholars debating the the, the source, the origins, the origins Jack- of this. Where they're going to be like, "There was this film, but that can't just be the film, right?" Like, and then they'll find him all. in like James and the Giant Peach, where he has that cameo, and then someone will be like, "No, that came first. This was this predates." <laughs> this predates. They'll they'll. they'll <laughs> They'll argue the dating of the early Skellington oh, Studios works. Yes, and, that's um, right. Oh my gosh, I just think fun it's super funny feature. that you can like find Jack Skellington ornaments, right, to put on your like mm-hmm. Halloween trees and that sort yeah. of thing. Like that—that's mm-hmm. the world that we live in now. Is that you can decorate so much for Halloween that it rivals Christmas, which makes me happy. But you know, that's I imagine that all of our. Uh, all of our October episodes are going to have to be Halloween themed, right? I mean, they're going to have like, to be. I'm okay. sorry. Well, I'm sorry. That's fine. You'll just have to think of topics. And yeah. I think there's no shortage of them where it comes to. <laughs> we can make it work. Yeah. Religion and Halloween. Uh, yeah. A lot of crossover there. So. Hell houses. Hell houses. So anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Oof. Oh yeah. If you haven't watched the documentary. On Hell Houses, like Hell that House? would be, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be something to just like. It's been a long episode. time. I haven't seen it in a while. Oh, but, man, yeah, yeah no, yeah. I watched it a couple of years ago, and whoo, whoo. Maybe we yeah. should talk about Jesus Camp sometime over the summer because that oh. documentary is terrifying. Yeah, no, that's one I used to show to students, and everybody was just like, "What did we just watch?" And I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. Yeah, I feel that way every time I watched it, right? Most of those people are probably in Congress now. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Look at all the episode ideas that we have just from discussing my tattoo. Look at there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Sure is. (laughs) Okay, John, what's your good news today? I mean, I think it just has to be, so we're recording this on the 14th of June, and I, it has to be what the national good news is, that, that you know, fun stuff's happening in Florida. So, um, yeah, it's just nice to see Donald Trump keep, he keeps getting arrested. And Yeah, uh, big news, big news. More of that, more of that, please. Um, looks like Georgia might be, might be on the verge of doing that, too. So, um, you know, it's probably going to wind up in some sort of chaotic cold civil war hell uh that's probably going to get some people killed and you know whatever that's terrible but uh it's fun for now to see this notion that no one's above the law actually be tried out (laughs) yeah no i i'm trying see what happens i'm trying to be optimistic about this right like there are tons of people that are like super celebratory about it and I'm trying to be optimistic and I'm trying to like have some energy towards that but man man I just I'm like we'll just have to wait and see right I just I really have that impulse there where um I'm just 
not sure about it. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with Georgia. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I was interested to see that he was arrested and to see kind of the rhetoric around that and how people have been reacting to that more than anything else. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of watching with bated breath to see like, what is this going to mean next? And like you said, like, how are people going to react is the kind of looming question for me about, you know, what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I try to apply the sort of like the the, the legal standard of but for to, to all of this, um, which is like when you when you assess someone's guilt, you know, it, it's it's that had they not done X would, would Y have happened sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of applying that basic notion to, to this whole circus and being like, well, would it be any better if he weren't arrested? I mean, right, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, is he going to be any less of just a victim crying fascist if you don't arrest him? And isn't he like, is he more dangerous or less dangerous? And I think like, it's kind of a wash <laughs> in terms right. of like the danger he and his acolytes pose to the future of like democracy and civilization. Yeah. Um, so you might as well arrest him and just be like, yeah, I mean, cry about political retribution all you want he did all these crimes so that's no that's that's what matters no i'm with you i and it's one of those things too where um it definitely i think sets a tone that it like you said it suggests that no one is above the law and so that at least i find to be somewhat heartening there um even though you know even as i'm struggling with like the what comes next piece, right? It is one of those things mm-hmm. where I would rather there be some action as opposed to no action at all, right? Which is what I was really afraid was going to happen with all of this is that nothing was going to happen. And we mm-hmm. were going to be in this like hellish limbo where clearly something needed to happen, but nothing was going on one way or another. So, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, celebratory mood about it, I think, is justified. <laughs> But we must be careful not to celebrate too much, lest we look as though it is all about politics or whatever. So, oh, uh, it makes me so stupid. So maddening, right? Um, I know. As if, as if the other side does not celebrate ridiculously when things yeah. go their way, mm-hmm. right? But and even when they don't, and just they pretend that they do, and then they yeah. Don't. So, oh, what a. What a time to be alive. Um, <laughs> no, I feel like that. You know, it's one of those things where periodically I was like, we could live in boring times, right? Boring times would be okay. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would take boring times. Like, I don't need to live in exciting times, actually. Like, we could just go back to it not being exciting. Thank you and good night, you know? Yeah, and like not to get too far off topic here, but I also feel that like, did that ever, was there ever the, such a time? I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? I have this whole thing where I, I, I try to sort of articulate what I mean by it. And I talk to the to students about this quite a bit as well. But I think that one of the tendencies that we have is both a sort of fictionalized version of the past where like everything was was pretty okay <laughs> like everything uh-huh. was kind of smooth and it's like different from the sort of idealized 
make America great again, you know, the sort of fictional 50s thing. Yeah. Like it's a, it comes from the same kind of place, but I think it's a much more sort of um, ubiquitous and kind of benign version of that where people sure. are like, oh, back in the 90s, everything was fine. It's like, no, it was complete, complete fucking mess. Like, yeah, it was a c- total mess. And it maybe was better than now. But like, did we think it was better than now at the time? Sure. And then you also pair that with this other thing where we have this assumption that we're going to get to a place where we just kind of coast, where we're like, we figured out how to make an economy work and how to make democracy work and how to make everybody happy. And then we're just going to be fine. (laughs) Like, that's never going to happen. it's never going to happen. Yeah, I just would like it to be a tiny bit less than it is now. That's yes. what I would like, right? Like I make America like, less bad. Like now. make America less bad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that will be my campaign. Yeah. No, no, no expectation <laughs> that we're going to fix all of this and it's going to be smooth sailing. Just a yeah. little less horrifying when I check Florida's news every day. Yes. Would that be would nice. be a good standard. That yeah. would be yeah. a nice thing or, you know, when I look at national news and see new attacks on trans rights, I would just I would just like that to not be where we are, really. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just sort of the piece there that I always am like, I'm like, what new horrifying thing can we have? And I was like, let's just have some time where people are less horrifying and we are not eroding rights. <laughs> like, like, less of this, yeah, please. Let's right? do that. Yeah, let's do that. Um <laughs> Doesn't seem to be where we're trending towards, but less of that would be good. So. Well, so so all of this sort of uh, fits in neatly to this idea of a vision of a post-civilization, post-apocalyptic landscape um, and what people think about when they think about everything going badly and, yep. and, and, and not coasting. So that is a nice segue to what we're going to be talking about today. So today, as it happens, is the... 10th anniversary as we're recording um, of the release of the original Last of Us video game. Um, So this property has been with us for a long time, but of course the television series of the same name uh, was released. God, when was it? Like March? Uh, I think it was earlier than that. I think it might have even been January. All right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it all sort of blurs together, but sometime in, in recent months, and you recently finished watching it. But yeah, it, it's a it's an interesting example of the post-apocalyptic quasi-zombie genre. There's a lot of interesting themes going on there, um, and I thought today would be a good day to honor its 10th anniversary uh, to, to talk about it. So you have... You've talked about the crossover between religion and zombies and the right. apocalypse and yep. all that stuff before and written a book yeah. about it. So yeah. want to talk why don't you talk about your uh, your your history with this, sure. this property and yeah. and um and and your initial thoughts. So I should say at the outset that when I wrote about zombies and apocalypses, um, one of the things that I thought I would do when I started that project is that I thought I would write about video games and I was geared up to do this. I was like, how hard can this be? Right. I just play video games and then I write about the narrative and I include it in my book. Right. Like (laughs) anybody can play video games. Like how hard can it be? You, you get a sense of where the story is going, right? 
so my um my beloved it's partner out very hard. My beloved partner <laughs> decided he was going to play these games with me. Mm-hmm. And after I think like 3 hours of me accidentally murdering him mm-hmm. in zombie games, we decided that perhaps video games were not a subject that I should study at all and that I should just move on to movies and <laughs> to other sorts of things. So I knew of The Last of Us and I knew that people found it very compelling and that they were hooked by the storytelling of the video game and that folks were really excited about um, the TV show when it came out to see how faithful it was going to be to the video game adaptation and that sort of thing. So I came into this kind of with fresh eyes because I just wanted to kind of see what it had to offer. And I am a sucker for a post-apocalyptic tale. And I think this is because I researched them for so long that mm-hmm. I just kind of like to see how people imagine um, America in ruins. Like what happens when America falls apart, right? Like what what goes, what stays, these sorts of things. Um, you know, why is it always so remarkably terrible? (laughs) Yeah. Like, why does it give people the excuse to be, like, the worst human beings they possibly can be, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, why is there always some sort of government conspiracy or government control that is a piece of this? Um, Why is it always this kind of survival of the fittest narrative that's always so brutally violent, Um, And then how does, like, religion fit in there, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how are people religious in these scenarios? But also, like, what do they mean by apocalypse? Like, what does that look like, you know, in some kind of way? And one of the things that I was really interested in is that apocalypse, when you go back to the word's origins, isn't the catastrophe piece, right? It's actually what these things reveal about something, And so for that, it was always interesting for me to think through, like, what do zombie apocalypses tell us about the society they were created by, right? So if we're looking at The Last of Us, and we can come to this question later in the conversation, like, what is this telling us about American culture, right? And what does its popularity Mm -hmm. tell us about American culture? So what's going on here that makes this so popular, that made it a critical darling, right, that drew people in in some kind of way and what does it tell us about where we are now so that's Mm -hmm. kind of how I got into this it wasn't because I like adored zombies because I don't (laughs) (laughs) it was just something that I kind of was interested in because I was interested in apocalypses and what those look like and what people do with them in some kind of way so um so I came into the last of us like not knowing a ton about it but really just kind of wanting to see where the narrative was going and what I could find, right? Um, did you play the video game? Uh, no, but I, I, I knew enough about it sort of through cultural osmosis, I suppose. Okay. Um, and, you know, I've played other kind of survival horror games okay. um, or, you know, survival kind of stealth games. Uh, you know, I guess I, that game, I guess, kind of walks a lot of different genre lines uh, which okay. i think is what one of the things that made it sort of so um uh so sort of revolutionary is that it borrows from it's not just like resident evil where you're just sort of you yep. know trying to defeat the the zombies through survival and stealth uh it has obviously this very um i, I know it was very much sort of regarded for its use of narrative 
um, its use of drama, it's very well written, all that sort of thing, which is what sort of makes it, uh, you know, a, a thing that was a viable property for converting into a television show. And from what I understand, the television show is very faithful to the narrative of the game, um, mm -hmm. including some sort of shot for shot reproductions here and there. Um, so no, I, I, I watched it not knowing beyond the broad strokes of like the premise and what the characters are and who they are to each other, like what actually happens. And I don't also really know what's new and what's directly referenced in the game. Okay. Um, but I know enough about gaming as well that I was able to sort of determine you know, sort of some of those scenes and some of those sequences that I'm like, oh, but this is very clearly this was in the video game, right? Like there's right. scenes where they're like, you know, kind of crouching through a junkyard. And I'm like, I've played enough video games to know that this is like something that you do in the game. And they're just like directly referencing that. And I thought that was uh, cool just as a, you know, sort of completely different conversation, just the way that we think about adapting things and, um, and understanding video games as a, uh, an art form and a nar narrative genre, I thought was interesting that they were being so, faithful to that and it was very yep. clear right I, I i knew enough about that but um i didn't really know what the apocalyptic landscape looked like uh mm -hmm. what the sort of rules of the post collapse of civilization world were and, and, and i and i found them interesting and the way that they're sort yep. of revealed as the as the show progresses right it, it uses terminology and ideas that it doesn't explain to you, like who the fireflies are, like all that right. sort of thing. Um, and then as it sort of, you know, demonstrates what those things are and explains to you, not through, um, uh, through showing, not telling, right? Um, I found that interesting, you know, in contrast to something like The Walking Dead and the way that The Walking Dead envisions the way that humanity is structured, I think it's very, very different, right? Yes. Um, it has a very different sort of um, ethic to it, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. And, um, you know, I watched multiple seasons of The Walking Dead before I could just not do it any where, where did you stop? Because we might have stopped oh, around the same time. Oh, gosh. I stopped around season five-ish, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, I ended with Carl about to die. And then I'm just like, okay. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just an exhausting show. And like, it's, it it's not an that it's a bad show. show and, I, and I get that people, I get that people love it. And I think it's a, it was a very well-made show, right. but I was just like, I was just exhausted. And I'm just like, I, you know. It was um, exhausting and it was just brutal and bleak. Yeah. And like, it just got to a point <laughs> where I was like, you know what? Life is brutal and bleak. Like, I don't yeah. mean, like, I just my TV cannot be this way, right? Like it just, it yeah, cannot, it was very know? much, an, it's not you, it's me thing. It's yeah, that's <laughs> right. I'm breaking up with you, The Walking Dead. I promise yeah. it's not yeah. you, it's me. Um, but I think one of the things about The Last of Us that I found so compelling is like that it is sort of weirdly hopeful, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. in the way that the storytelling works. And that's not that it's not a brutal show. Like, I would not describe it as, <laughs> you know, like a um, strictly, like, positive, like, no. show to watch. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal and stark and, um, you know, the violence is pretty real on the show. 
Um, but, you know, it's kind of strangely hopeful. And the relationship between the main characters, Joel and Ellie, as it develops, I think is pretty um, profound to watch, right, as you go through the episodes of the show and see how their relationship works. Um, and as someone who is a parent of a teenager, I also thought it was a remarkably accurate depiction of how parents and teenagers interact too um, and how the post-apocalypse makes that relationship even (laughs) more fraught than it might be otherwise, right? Um, But yeah, so there's just something I thought compelling about it. And I also thought the visual storytelling of it was really interesting too, right? Like that it's just a beautiful show, to watch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The way and the way that they conjure that was was interesting. Um, but I think one of the other interesting things to me about it too is the religious themes yeah. in this show um, yeah. and the way they pop up in kind of strange places. Um, and there's a full episode that's sort of about religion. But I thought too, when I was thinking back on it about the ways that there are also these other kind of embedded religious themes in the show that I thought mm-hmm. we could talk about too, right? Sure. Like, and where they kind of show up. And, um, and you know, it's one of those where I guess this is the bane of being a religious studies scholar is that you're watching an episode and the next thing you know, one of the characters is like, I think my blood can save you. And then you're like, wait a darn minute. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so so well yeah i'll come back to that in a second i i um a lot of what you just said there i have i i want to kind of follow up on so so getting back real quick to this idea of apocalypse um as you mentioned earlier right and this the the fact that apocalypse comes from the greek to to uncover um or to reveal right it's like literally um and that this notion of apocalypse really sort of begins with Christianity, um, at least in terms of the way that it has entered into sort of the Western understanding of what that is. And Christianity began as an apocalyptic cult. And when I tell students that, for instance, they're like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean like, you know, and, and it, 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 when you think of apocalypse, you think of like meteors falling. Yeah, from, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, or zombies or whatever. And it's important to note that the apocalypse in early Christianity was one where the world that would follow it was demonstrably better, right? Like right, yep. The, 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 the bad times were now, the bleak times were now, and the apocalypse was the revelation that this was all the setup for Christ coming to earth and uh, reigning over, you know, utopia for, for, yep. for all time. Yep, yep some point that um, that sort of eschatology took a turn and at yep. some point, right. It becomes um, the idea that Christianity is not about a, a future paradise for all on earth, but a permanent paradise for the individual in this sort of heaven space yep. and that earth is to be left behind and bleak. And, and I'm sure there are books written about when that transition takes place right. and what's behind that transition. But I think in terms of the way that just the, the, the sort of zombie post-apocalyptic vision 
is a reflection of some kind of kind of cultural religious belief is just in exactly that, like the question of what does it look like and why is it so often that when civilization collapses in these shows, and that's the starting point, the zombies aside, the fact that there's these killer brainless things that are just trying to destroy you and you never know when they're going to pop up, which always ends up being a kind of afterthought <laughs> right? as, yeah. the, as the shows progress um, or the movies progress or whatever the story is. Aside from that, why is it that it's always what seems to me, and you can tell me, you know, if there's other examples of this or whatever, if I've got this right, but it seems to me that the vision always seems to be what we think the dark ages were like plus guns. Yeah, no, you're not wrong, right? I mean, I always describe post-apocalypse as like, post-apocalypse as like a Western almost, right? Like we now are back in the wilderness and we have guns and we're like, nature is dangerous other humans are dangerous right yeah and so what we have to do is like reconquer in some kind of way but yeah no it very much is the dark ages one of the running jokes that we used to have when we watched all these apocalyptic movies for my research is my partner was like what happens to all the spoons he's like (laughs) (laughs) he's like a lot of morissette has them all yeah he's like he's like i just don't understand how all of a sudden there are no spoons left. <laughs> Turns out right? spoons are biodegradable. He's like, yeah. he's like, but the canned <laughs> goods are the canned goods are here, right? That people are trying yeah, to Yeah, where's all the can openers? Too. There's got the to be a lot of can openers. The can openers are yeah. gone too, right? Yeah. But it is this like funny thing that happens where it very much is this like idea that we've somehow reverted and like all of the stuff that we need has disappeared. So I guess the zombies like hoard can openers, maybe, right? And spoons or something. Or maybe some opportunistic person yes. who like <laughs> has seen all of these shows was like, I gotta go get all the can openers. I'm gonna do this now. And I then I'm sell gonna them sell them. I am gonna sell a them million for lots beaver of lots pellets of money. Or whatever That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna do yeah. this. Um but it is kind of a funny thing about like how it always is this way to like shift us back to some sort of past, right? Where mm-hmm. Um, we can use guns sort of indiscriminately and we can take whatever we want to take and we can act however we want to act and do these sorts of things. So it is this kind of weird imagining of history that exists, right? About Mm -hmm. how there are no rules and there's no order and this kind of thing that ignores that there were rules and order in these places. Now, it might have been ignored, right? Sure. But like... That, but it is this weird, like, ace historical approach to these previous time periods um, yeah. that just lets chaos run free, right? Um, and so even in, like, The Last of Us, right, when you have these, like, military spaces, there's still chaos, right? And they're still unfair and they're still um, corrupt and all of these other things, right? So nowhere is, like safe and no one is like doing anything for the greater good in any of these examples right all of that stuff kind of flies out the window as soon as the apocalypse yeah. happens right yeah. and i always yeah. think it's like it always just feels really calvinist to me right where it just well exactly yeah <laughs> that's well, that's that's the thing well it's not even even beyond calvinism right i think even more broadly the the sort of like post 
you know, Nicene Christianity of this assumption that human beings are are fallen, that we are inherently mm-hmm. bad, that we need yep. Christ to be good. And if you fundamentally believe that, and if that thought has basically controlled your culture and the way that you see other people, then the assumption that you are going to make is exactly this, right? That some version of, like in, in, in The Walking Dead, it's kind of a, um, a series of kind of factionalized different uh, sort of startup cultures that emerge, right? And they, they mm-hmm. all kind of approach the way that they create their 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 civilization, their micro-civilization differently. Uh, in The Last of Us, you have a little bit of that, but it's in response to this like fascist uh, sort of takeover where they're just trying to keep order and they're doing it however they can. And it's not like society is completely crumbled, right. but, but, but what steps in is this thing that sort of is like, we just need to get us through this so that we can you know, start again or whatever. Right. Um, and I, I, again, like this has never happened in real life. So it's all based on sort of a theory of human nature. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure that it necessarily comports to reality. I, I mean, certainly like you can look at places where war or what, or, or power vacuums have led to great human suffering and, uh, you know, would be autocrats stepping uh, stepping in and taking advantage of it and all that sort of thing. But I think it's difficult to separate those sort of isolated incidents within certain very specific pockets of history and say, and thus this is how everybody would right. behave. Right. right? Um, were this to happen across the world, and I think you can come up with plenty of counterexamples where that right. probably wouldn't be the case. And that there would be far more mutual aid um, than opportunists with AR-15s sort yeah, of like right. taking over towns and being like ISIS. I don't know. I mean, I think it's an open debate, but I do think it's a debate. And I and I and I often get frustrated that even when you have something with The Last of Us where it is, as you say, within this context optimistic. Right. Um it's still, it's not like, I think The Walking Dead is fundamentally nihilistic in the way that it understands uh-huh. human nature. And that's fine. It's a good thought experiment. But like, this is sort of the best case scenario. And maybe it's right. But uh, it certainly is a reflection of, as you say, you know, Calvinism and other <laughs> right, right, um, sort yeah. of Christian uh, uh, thought processes, right? Yeah. And, and that violence is always so fundamental, to this yeah. right like is such this is a piece that always keeps me up at night is when i when i was researching this stuff it was always the thing that gave me the most pause is that like violence was just essential to the way that these zombie post-apocalypses were rendered like you just couldn't get away from it it was like the water that they swam in right and so it just there was always some sort of justification or reason for it and it didn't matter mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. and that so seldom did you find something working against that or if you did it didn't last very long <laughs> you know like it was a blip in some sort of larger storytelling arc that showed that you really did need violence to accomplish your goals in one um way or another um yeah and so, yeah, it, it is um, really distressing that that's it. And that is a part of The Last of Us, too, right? That violence is so essential to the story, right? And about how Joel handles himself. And, um, you know, violence is essential, too, to that religion episode where, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's crucial yeah. in that episode as well. Um, 
and, you know, essential to how um, the preacher understands his faith, right? That violent and a violent heart is like crucial to that as well. Um, but yeah, so it just, it always messes me up a bit when I watch the stuff that that's kind of how they understand humans, right? As violent, depraved creatures. And this is how we're going to act if these kinds of things go down. And I tend to try to be more optimistic about human nature. Um, yeah. I, I, so on, we should talk about the religion episode, right? The sort of, yep. uh, and it's a good, it's a good episode and it's an interesting, has interesting things to say. Um, a couple things. So one that I really did like about this show in this world is that the, um, the community where Joel's brother ends up living, right. Uh-huh. Is kind of the best case scenario. Like it's a, yep. it's a pretty functioning community. Like people haven't just like, I know that if the electrical grid went down, we'd have a really hard time like providing electricity to people, whatever. But like, just because you don't know how to do it doesn't mean like the, all the people who know how to right, do that sort of right. thing died. Yeah, <laughs> like, again, like right, they <laughs> like didn't smart, disappear. Yeah, yeah, like smart, sciency, engineering people like will still exist and like we'll still be able to figure something out. Um, and it, you know, it sort of seems like that community is living a fairly relatively normal existence until, of course, it gets upended. Um, by by external factors but you know in general it sort of presents a much more sort of like this is what is possible and sort of reasonable to assume might exist sort of within this landscape and i thought that was reassuring and like and and again far less bleak um uh than these things than these things tend to be but the other the other like frustration that i have and again i'm sort of narrowly just talking about the two most recent you know properties that that explore this being the walking dead and the last of us um but it's i'm sure true of basically every post-apocalyptic vision i've ever seen is that like religion seems to basically disappear and that's Uh very weird to me it's strange Um, isn't it yeah (laughs) it it either disappears or it's this weird like you know uh cult and scare quotes here but like cult-like things yeah Yeah. thing that happens right um you know and i was looking at um episode summaries like to refresh my mind on episodes of the last of us and almost every single one of them called the religion episode like the cult episode right yeah i was like of course (laughs) naturally couldn't be the religion episode right it had to be this had to be how they rendered it and understood it um and so you either get like no religion or really weird stuff yeah. going down, I, you know? So, so like with the leftovers, I think the leftovers, because it's not a zombie apocalypse and it's not really an apocalypse. It is a, a, a sizable percentage of the world's population just disappears for no reason. Right. Um, and it does, I think it's, it, it, it is a much more sort of fantastical show. I think it is much more concerned with religious ideas. I think it, it it's inherently sort of explores a aspect of religious genesis, which is like, how do people respond to a, a massively traumatizing event they can't explain, mm-hmm. right? Which is sort of, which is sort of a, a, a theme through a lot of religion. And it focuses on what I think is a perfectly reasonable assumption that there is a, um, a response religion that is emerges out of that, right? That a lot of people clamor to. Mm-hmm. Christianity still exists. Um, and of course, Chris Eccleston's character in that show, right, is sort of the embodiment of that. 
but what's so weird to me is that like I, I it just existing religions I think would play far bigger roles <laughs> in yeah, sort of how right, right. how things are are like happening and 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 just be a lot more outsized. I I, I get that the leftovers is interested in different things and it doesn't deny the existence of that fact it just sort of is in the background right in a way that sort of you know i i i I admire but like yeah where did all the religious people go and why are they now just a micro like a microcosmic cult like you know what i mean it's 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 a really weird instinct i assume it's because most people just don't know anything about religion like as we've talked about before yeah right in general people are pretty illiterate when it comes to actually understanding religion um but i don't know like so what do you think of this your thoughts on the religion episode on what it suggest why people are like oh it's a cult it's like no it's a fucking it's just christianity it's just christian yeah no it's not (laughs) right like it's not it's just you know it's just a christian group right that is here and that happens to set up shop in a steakhouse, right? Where they do their worship and they have faith and they think that God is going to provide and they are having a particularly rough time because it's the winter and it's bleak, right? Um, I think it's the whole eating humans thing that really throws people apart that episode, you know, like mm-hmm. um, the starvation piece uh, with that. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that episode was really fascinating because of the sort of conversations between Ellie, one of our main characters, and David, the preacher, about like violence and faith and how he understood violence to be so essential to faith. That this was not something that he separated out, that he saw his role um, very much coming from this violence that he found embedded in himself. And he found something in Ellie that also called to him from this. Um, And, you know, it, it was also kind of an interesting turn there because she couldn't understand why somebody would find God useful in the post apocalypse. And I think that's the writer signaling something to us, right? About maybe that says something larger about the genre, about how people are thinking, like, if the worst has happened, maybe God doesn't make sense, you know, to some folks in this. And I think that's part of what's happening here, right? I think that's underselling religion and religious people a lot, right? Um, Yeah. and, And what religion does for folks. And, um... But again, I think you're right. I think that's people not understanding how religion works in the world yeah, and why that can't make sense. Um, but I thought that episode was really fascinating because of this pairing of religion and violence so essentially. And the way, too, that um, the preacher really wasn't converted because of God he was converted because of the cordyceps, the fungus, and the way that the fungus connected community together and acted and this sort of thing, right? So it was that transformation that, like, triggered this religious conversion for him. And so yeah. I thought that was sort of wild, right? Like, that it wasn't, like, God that worked for him. It was this encounter that he had with this new world that then made him into a preacher, had him gather a flock, 
do all these other sorts of things. What did you yeah. think? I mean, like, I thought that that was a really fascinating way to frame it, right? Yeah. And to think about, like, what a post-apocalyptic world would do to faith in some kind of way, right? And how it would render it in different ways than pre-apocalypse. Yes. And I think that is a really important observation, really interesting, right? Like, um, that's one of the places, like, I, I, I thought this episode was so much better at, and so much more sophisticated at talking about religion than any uh, episode of, you know, a similar genre of show has been. Um, I, I guess, like, you know, my only frustration is that it's, it, again, it seems so isolated. Right, <laughs> and, right, yeah. Um, the one and, religion and, and, episode, like, right, yeah. Right, about, like, this one group of people who um, who is who is, you know, still religious. I think a lot of that instinct for writers kind of comes from, I would imagine, you know, sort of a post-Holocaust um, Judaism uh, sort of intellectual writing where, where, you know, a lot of intellectual um, or Jewish intellectuals were talking about how the Holocaust is like, no, you can't, you can't go on with God after this, right? Like, like you, you, you have to a bit, like, this is, this is the end point. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of uh, the, the, the rise of like secular Judaism post-Holocaust um, specifically because of the Holocaust. And, and I think that that, you know, is an interesting, that has its place, but like a lot of, Jews kept being religious after the Holocaust, even even survivors of it. So, um, and, and I think a lot of sort of people kind of think that an event like that would just lead people to abandon religion altogether. And right. for sure, it would lead a lot of them to do that. But it would also lead plenty of them to double down. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such an enormous number of people that the presence of it, right, should be much greater than it actually is. But I do think that it's interesting and that it's important to show that, again, much like The Leftovers, um, and also, you know, again, like The Walking Dead, it deals with religion very narrowly, but, you know, in the in the figure of Gabriel, for instance, right, um, that's sort of where it explores that notion. And it does, it does show that the changes in the world and these new understandings of reality and human nature and everything else um, are often what lead people to sort of these religious conversion experiences. And th those religious conversion experiences can also convert the way that we think about religion and ethics and, um, and what matters uh, right. and, and, and so on. Um, I think this is a show that likes to ask its big questions in, in single episodes that it devotes to those questions. And I think yeah. that that's, that may also be part of that sort of like video game approach to narrative storytelling. And I mm -hmm. think that that's cool and fine. Obviously, I mean, the great episode um, with uh, um, uh, from Parks and Rec. God, what's his name? Nick um, Offerman. Yeah, yeah. So Nick Offerman. Sorry. My God. My brain just is not like remembering celebrities' names anymore. It's a problem I've been having more and more. Uh, the great episode of Nick Offerman, right, has some amazing things to say <laughs> and uh and it's very very profound and it's one episode and you never hear from those characters again and that's right. cool and fine and great um 
Yeah, I just, I mean, I hope that we come back to this question. I have no idea what happens in the second game. I have no idea right, what's right. going to happen in the second season. And I have no idea how much this um, this question comes up again. And I, please do not like write to me and tell me because I don't want to know. <laughs> don't spoil us. <laughs> I have not, I have not played the game and I'm really interested in, um, in, in, in it not being spoiled. But um, I hope, I hope it comes back. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, but I would love for these shows to have a scholar of religion on the writing staff to sort of be like, let's talk, let's talk this out and let's theorize what the landscape actually looks like in terms of, you know, religiosity within these, um, within these communities. Uh, because it's, it's, it continues to be sort of under, underrepresented and undersold, I think. Yeah, no, it's, it's strange. And, you know, if you compare it to something like Left Behind, where the response is like inherently a religious response, because sure. this is like religious media, right? Like it has yes. to be, right? But it's yeah. very much the example there is like, of course, people would be drawn back to faith, right? Because they're dealing with this right. traumatic, you know, like they have to be, right? So it's like, which is so, equally nonsensical which because is it's e- coming from right. a right yes. from a so it's purely right. biased perspective. This is a yeah. totally biased perspective. So, like, could we find somewhere in the middle, right, about how <laughs> how people way. would the middle way about how people would react to this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That could be represented. Um, that I think would be more accurate and more useful um, yeah. to talk about this instead of you know one episode or one character or, you know, um, the abandoned church (laughs) that you occasionally get in the visual background, right. Um, that's there or something like that. Um, but yeah, it is, it is disappointing that it's that, um, you find it sometimes a little bit more in post-apocalyptic literature, I think, because you have more room with a novel to kind of think through some of these issues, Um, Mm -hmm. But even then, you know, it's often religion that's more like philosophical than it is like... Like the road. Practice. Yeah, Yeah, like the road or um, there's this great book called um, The Reapers Are the Angels. And the main character in it thinks a lot about like miracles and what what's sort of present to us, right, in the universe and creation that we might not notice if we're thinking about the zombie apocalypse, right? So it's a different kind of thing, but um, it's also kind of enchanting and like interesting in a way that it's just so different than a lot of the other kind of bleak shit (laughs) that's out there, right? (laughs) Um, You know, it's a novel I finished and I was like, oh, like this is really good until the ending, right? Um, But uh, yeah, so I wish there were just some other kinds of representation that we could deal with right um that we could kind of grip on to in some sort of way that uh really paid attention to the fact that not only do not all spoons disappear but not all religious people (laughs) disappear either right in this thing it's not like suddenly they're not religious anymore (laughs) uh i I, have you seen i'm gonna ask you a question after this in a second as well, because I think you, you have a better, clearer picture of it than I do. But have you seen um, Station Eleven? I haven't seen Station Eleven. My partner okay. is on me to read the book so we can watch the show. So okay. I, All right. I have, to I have not both. seen yeah. it either. It, it came out 
And I'm like, I was, I was just, I was like, no, I can't do like, I can't do pathogen destroying society. Right. Like I can't do it. It's, you know, cause it's like right in the midst of COVID. And I'm like, I'm sure it's amazing. And like, I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. I will watch it eventually. For some reason I can do, I can do fungus. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but I can't yeah. do virus and I, or yeah. I couldn't do virus within the last like 18 months. So yeah. um, I'm sure there are people listening to this being like, why the fuck are you not talking about stuff? You know? Um, and the reason <laughs> is because we haven't watched it yet and we will, and we'll do an episode about it when we yeah. do, because I, I, I'm, I'm sure there are, things in that show that directly respond to what we're talking about right now and some person yelling at us for not citing that i'm sure perfect example of the things that we're complaining about but um or not who knows i have or no not. idea i have no we idea because we so. haven't watched or read <laughs> <laughs> but we will and we promise and uh episode tbd once kelly reads yeah. the books and then yeah. watches the show as her partner has demanded that she yeah um i want to talk about uh, something that you brought up earlier as well, which is beyond the way that these shows or these this concept explores religion, but also the way that it uses religious motifs and parallels, especially right. in Christianity, um, as a driving mechanism, right, for sort of the hope of uh, of survival or the hope yep. of the human race, um, these sort of salvational, right, yep. Christ uh, yep. metaphors. Yep. What? How do you think the Last of Us handles handles that? So it's interesting, right? Because I think it kind of sets out that Ellie is going to be a savior figure, right? Like you have this earlier episode where she tries very desperately to save her young friend by using her blood on a zombie bite, right? To hopefully save him. It doesn't work out. Um, and I think what was the episode that actually destroyed me, like it was the episode that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to follow up after that episode where I was like, not a lot of people had like these Twitter threads where they were like, and this episode emotionally crushed me, which is like mm-hmm. initially why I wasn't sure I could watch the show. Um, but that episode did like emotionally crush me, um, but it didn't work. Right. But it's like the saving power of the blood. And I was like, whoa, OK. <laughs> um, but, but it's fake. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but these like the the setup, right, that she's immune and that there's something going on with her, that she could be the reason for a vaccine that could then save everyone. Right. So very much this like savior motif that's like set up and kind of built throughout the episodes until you get to the final episode. Right. Where it's supposed to be a self—it's supposed to be a sacrifice. We don't realize that it's supposed to be an entire self-sacrifice until we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the episode. And then we get this really interesting inversion, right? Where yeah. Joel's not going to let it happen, you know. Um, and so I found that really fascinating. That it was just one of those things where he was just not going to let anything happened to her, right? That we yeah. were not, that it didn't matter that the vaccine could save everyone, right? That saving this um, young woman who he had become so attached to was more important than that. Um, and so I thought it was kind of a fascinating inversion of that tale that I was really prepared for. I was like, oh, no, because I didn't realize there was a second video game. So I wasn't already like... <laughs> I was like, oh, no, oh, no, we're losing her, right? And then I was like, oh, no, we didn't lose her. Okay, yeah. right? 
Um, so what did you think? I mean, when you were watching this, because I just kind of felt like it fit that model until it didn't, right? Um, yeah. Oh, sure. No, I look, so I, I want to know, again, and don't tell me, but I want to know where it goes from here. Um, now, obviously, like Joel and Ellie are both sort of deceptively biblical names. Um, the name Joel uh, is the same as it's just an inversion of the name Elijah. Right. So they're, they're both the same thing. Um, the J means Yahweh. The I-L means Elohim. Um, so Elijah and J-I-L are, are just the opposite ways of saying the same thing, which is that Yahweh is God or God is God, right? Um, so yeah, they're the same name. How do you name know then... this stuff? Like I feel because <laughs> this is like what I've what I what I what I've been studying for many decades. Um, and so you know, and then so the Elijah Elisha thing. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in the Book of Kings, um, Elijah is. So Elijah, which equals Joel, um, is this prophet who's sort of this wild man in the middle of nowhere. He's like a kind of a weirdo, um, but he has miraculous powers, um, salvational powers. He uh, eventually um, is is taken up to heaven, and his his apprentice, this guy Elisha, uh, takes up his mantle. Um, in fact, that very term is like used in the Bible. And I think that's where taking up the mantle actually comes from as a, as a, as a term. And Elisha is given twice as much power as Elijah. So Elijah performs seven miracles and Elisha performs 14 miracles, right? Um, now, Elisha, not to get too heady here, but Elisha is also the same name as as. Yeshua, which is where the name Jesus comes from. So Elisha and Jesus are also basically the same name in the same way that Elijah and Joel are the same name, right? Um, so in the New Testament, of course, you also find out that um, Mark, Matthew, and Luke all say that uh, John the Baptist is Elijah uh, reborn. Um, so sort of a reincarnation of Elijah, because Elijah goes to heaven and doesn't die. And so Elijah theoretically could come back in the form of John the Baptist. And that's sort of the argument that they make. Um, you know, Elizabeth is is the mother of John the Baptist. So the Ellie Joel thing sort of makes sense there. But there's also sort of the idea that like Elijah slash John the Baptist, who is the mentor to Elisha slash Jesus, um, and so I, I, you know, I know that Neil Bruckman or Neil Druckmann, sorry, who, who is the writer and creator of the game. He's, I know he's Israeli, um, or Israeli American. Um, I assume he speaks Hebrew. It's very clear. He's played around with religious ideas. Um, and I have to assume this was a deliberate, right? Um, so that he's, he's using a sort of clever set of word and name, um, duplicates here to create the, John the Baptist and Jesus uh, alignment, right, with Joel and and Ellie. And so when it got to that point where she is being sacrificed for the good of mankind, <laughs> um, and then the plot twist where Joel's like, I'm going to take her off the cross. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes, sorry. yeah. I'm like, okay, now things are getting really interesting. Um and that's where season one ends. Right. Uh, and I uh, 
certain there's going to be a season two once people start decide to pay writers um, and and you know they do all that sort of thing. But I'm wondering what that is saying and what what Druckmann is saying and what then it sort of says about his view of 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 religion. But in general, like there does appear to be. And again, you've consumed more of this media than I have, but there does appear to be a messiah figure within the zombie apocalypse stories, right? As a as kind of almost a trope. Yeah, um, there there can be right. There definitely are these people that can be the chosen one, right? Who you end up sacrificing, right? In some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking about the reapers or the angels and um, uh, I won't give it away, but it's very much a theme in that, I, it, very much a theme in that book too, right? Yeah. That you have a character that you get attached to that, you know, it gets towards the end and you're like, oh no, right? Like you just know that that's going to happen because it has to happen. Right. For, yeah. to, for the narrative to work. Right. It has to be the case. So you do find these characters that just it's it's essential, you know, that they that their sacrifice makes things work in some kind of way. Um, but, yeah, no, it was in, that inversion, I thought, was very fascinating and it makes me eager to see what they're going to do in season two. Right. Um, yeah. Again, don't tell us, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I can't play the video game. It will end badly for all of us and maybe end in divorce for my family. Yeah. So no, but like, <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you find this stuff, right. And you find the religious overtones and those sorts of themes and this stuff, even when religion is somehow missing, or religious people, yeah. right, are missing from yeah. these narratives. So, yeah. It does strike me as, like, the show may actually, like, one of the themes may actually be, and maybe, you know, Druckmann's own sort of perspective may be, like, religion is bad. And, um, yeah, I can see that as being one of the kind of themes uh, mm-hmm. go, going on here. And the idea of, like, no, take Jesus off the cross <laughs> right like no, nothing is that important um and he really prioritizes you know the the right of an individual to exist um mm-hmm. uh, beyond the sort of so-called you know better uh, uh greater good uh, of mankind you know right it's, it's really interesting again like I, there's so much more i kind of need to know yep um but it is kind of promising i think that there are you know, themes and ideas that are yet to be explored here that seem to be pointing in a certain kind of um, direction in terms of its uh, its feeling understanding of um, of religious ideas. I, I also like, I want to ask you what you think if it could ever work or be interesting to anybody to have a post-apocalyptic show where the premise is like, basically things are fine. <laughs> Well, so that's the question, right? Like, would that be boring as hell or not, right? Like, that's kind of the the piece that I'm always fascinated by is, like, would that be compelling to folks? And what I think about is The Good Place, right? Like, that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. how, you know, like, it's 
um, uh, spoiler alert, but like how yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be the place where everything worked out and, you know, and you're supposed to get everything that was your reward. Right. Yeah. And how, um, it isn't that cause it's the bad place and everything goes wrong, but like how boring <laughs> that show would have been, I think if it had actually been the good place, right? Like, sure. um, yep. not yep. as much as I love to watch Kristen Bell and anything, I'm not sure it would have been compelling if it hadn't been all the hijinks that were going on um, with the stuff and the sort of larger narrative about, like, someone's not supposed to be here, right, or something that's going on there. So I do wonder about, like, if Utopia is just not that fascinating, um, and yeah, that could be me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be me. Maybe I'm a bad person. <laughs> no, I think Utopia is incredibly to. boring, right? Yeah. But, like, I also... I also wonder if there is a interesting vision of this that is not bleak, that does not require everybody to have like AR-15s yeah. to keep, right? And and um, I, I think the answer is probably yes, but I just yeah. think it's such a more difficult thing for us to process and think about. We just, I don't think we're not, especially in Western civilization, just not wired to like think about optimistically about a um a future without the safeguards that we have in modern civilization and it's still working and being decent and and i don't know it's i, I think that it is on its face more telling than sort of the existence of these um you know post-apocalyptic hellscapes no i think you're right i mean and i think that I would be really interested to see and to see if people have recommendations of um, if there are post-apocalyptic tales where it is where things go right and it is compelling, right? Because it's about like building societies that work and are just. And that doesn't mean that there's not struggle or strife or something like that, right? But like, you know, yeah. is that out there and we're just missing it in some kind of way, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just... I wonder what that would what that would look like, right? And I do think it is telling that there aren't more people maybe trying to create that and make it interesting. Um because mm-hmm. I think it could be really interesting, right? To say like what yeah. it does it look like to create something that is really different than what we have now but is actually really fair and equitable to humans, right? And right. that kind of poverty of imagination around that is really disconcerting yeah um yeah and i think we probably will have some people yelling at us right now about star trek and again (laughs) i think we're we're sort of we're distinguishing here right not the sort of everything sort of turns out okay scientifically and then we're led into a more utopian more egalitarian future that's distinct right and i know that's star trek's sort of view of the the world and like that has its place and can be useful um, I think it can also be destructive in some ways to like overthink that way. Um, but not that, right? I, right, w- w- right? Really what we're talking about is like if things really did collapse from, right. you know, uh, a pathogen or climate change or whatever, um, but also it didn't send us back into the like Hollywood version of the Dark Ages, which probably right. never really quite existed the way that um, our cultural imagination tends to think it does. And, and, um, and if that could be a, a compelling series and I don't want to write it and I, I, I'm intimidated just by thinking about that idea, but like, I bet someone has it in them to, 
to craft to do that yeah to make that happen right yes definitely yeah and maybe that's what station 11 is again we don't know stop yelling at us (laughs) (laughs) this is probably just sitting there for us to be like that's the show that's That's the show when we watch it and i read it and we yeah. do an episode on it. We will apologize profusely if that's yeah. exactly what it is. I just saw so. a pathogen has wiped out human beings, and it is. And I'm like, nope, can't, not. So mm-mm. too close to home. Too close. Too close. Yep. Nope. Yep. Omicron just came out, and I'm not doing. I'm not doing this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh, any other uh, any other thoughts on the show before we before we sign off today? I don't think so. I think I would recommend it to folks and yes, tell them to up. watch it um yeah. you know unless you're not good with zombies and you're not good with violence so those would be my two things there to emphasize um i know there's some people that are like it's not really about zombies it is actually really about zombies don't let people tell you that um I yeah know. yeah it's no it's really about zombies. it's about mold people or yeah like <laughs> mushroom no, people like they're they're zombie-esque like it's real. yeah like, many of them are far more terrifying than yeah the no it's and, weird uh, yeah no don't let so so if zombies are one of those things that really bother you this is not yeah. the show for you at all um but no it's yeah. it's it's worth a watch definitely i think um and was really compelling though you should be prepared to be emotionally wrecked yeah episodes (laughs) i I, like i would say that i often sort of think about these things in terms of like what do i kind of emotionally remember from from the experience of watching it and it is you're right very violent and um and can be uh sort of horror movie-esque at at certain points but like that's not the stuff i remember from it and so like what you will take away is not that um the the zombies and violence are not the point um, they are a device to get us to the point. And so like, I, my, my, my memory of the experience of watching the whole, whole season is one of an emotional and interesting human journey. So, um, if that, if that factors into what you decide to watch, uh, I think that's worth pointing out as well. You're not going to be like, remember that one scene where all that violence happened. It's like, it's almost in the background, even though it's very pronounced and 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 visceral. Um, it's not like the point, right? So like, no, and right, that, yeah. that I think makes a difference for for some people. So yeah, um, cool. Anyway, uh, happy Father's Day, I guess, to everybody, uh, fathers and people with fathers and people who know fathers and etc. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of those. All, all those, all those, all those sorts of things. This is a good Father's Day series. It's sort of about fatherhood. Uh, it is also, also like also Pedro Pascal is just the best. So. Yeah, just watch whatever Pedro Pascal does. Like everything, just, just everything. don't ask questions. Yeah, just, no, it's Pedro it's, Pascal. It's the recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Guy cannot go wrong, except kind of the Wonder Woman two movie. I guess wasn't, wasn't great. But. It wasn't great, but also Pedro Pascal. Ha 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 